Oh, by the way, I'm Phil. And I'm Molly. And it's, it's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. It's Del Toro time. And we're back with the ecstasy of... Influence. Another ecstasy of influence movie starring the lovely... Joan Fontaine. Joan Fontaine. We're back with Joan Fontaine. What did we say before? It was... It was... Fontaine month? Fontaine? I never said that. It was that. Fontaine. This I don't our, remember you ever saying that. This is the that. third movie. We said it in one of the episodes a few episodes back. This is Fontaine month. Or Fontaine sash because like it was not just a month because we only do two episodes a month there's three episodes of joan fontaine fun tang so it's a month and a half a month and a half of joan fontaine and she is back in this episode which is movie of jane Eyre. jane Eyre. jane Eyre from 1943 i wouldn't know you're the one with the information no no no. that's that's like a plot point 1940 three because okay because some people say this movie is from 1944 and some say it's from 1943 well it's listed both ways in different sources i mean that's a lot of things though like me what no what no that's like a lot of things are listed as like being published in like random date uh 1988 or sometimes in other editions it's like 1989 right this is because i think because this movie even though it was like a Hollywood production, I think it premiered in England in 1943. Mm-hmm. But Hollywood was like, no, we'll wait till it comes to America to say when it premiered. And so they say 1944. But for all intents and purposes, for our intents, we're saying 1943. I don't think it really matters that much. Fontaine. <laughs> Fontaine. Um, not only is the lovely and talented Joan Fontaine in this movie, but also Mr. Oscar Wilde? Orson Welles. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the late Oscar Wilde's like, moldering corpse <laughs> will be... Hey, I got the letters right. ...will be dragged on <laughs> dragged on screen with a pithy bon mot. <laughs> Either these curtains go or I do. I I, I got the letters right. It's true. Oh, good old O.W. <laughs> oh, Wells. Oh, Wilde. Uh, to be fair, Orson is a pretty unusual name. As is Oscar. No, it's not. <laughs> How many Oscars do you know? I, when I was younger, there were like sixteen of them at Hale. Sixteen Oscars, all of them gone now. Godspeed, Oscars. I'm sure there's way more at South. Orson as well. is a very good name. I think we should bring back Orson. I don't think so. There's how many Orsons can you think of? There's Zero. The, there's Orson the pig. There is Orson Scott Card, the homophobic science fiction writer. <laughs> Dad. <laughs> Orson Bean. So, I don't know. In it any case. It sounds like you're saying our son, Bean. Or our son, Bean. Orson <laughs> Welles is not Oscar, Oscar Wilde. Wilde. <laughs> uh, he is instead a very famous actor and filmmaker and screenwriter. Who knows? Maybe Oscar Wilde could have been. He could have been, too, if he had not died. <laughs> so sad and alone. <laughs> Gosh darn it, Oscar Wilde. Why'd you have to die? Why'd you have to die? He could have been a great film star. <laughs> uh so what's crazy about this is so Jane Eyre. I don't know if you've ever read Jane Eyre. If you've read it for school or anything, uh, the novel. But I'm I, sure I would have mentioned that. Okay, I mean you know sometimes I say things and you're like I read that but I don't even remember it. Charlotte Bronte wrote Jane Eyre. It's semi sort of autobiographical. Uh, it's kind of like Frankenstein autobiographical. Like if you know her biography, you're like oh that's this and that's this and that's this. So it's one of those things. She had kind of a crap upbringing, <laughs> like literally attended a private school where two students died of like malnutrition. <laughs> upbringing dang a little ratty little ratty just a little bit uh, like they think they got like horribly ill and like died because people the students were treated so poorly there but i think that happens in the book um in any case uh charlotte bronte of the famous bronte sisters 
uh, very famous novel. Such a famous novel, in fact, that it had been adapted to film like eight times before the invention of sound. Like there had already been like like eight major motion pictures of Jane The Eyre. invention of sound. No, I'm saying like on film. <laughs> so this movie has a. Buzz- is it is it bad that I want to say Jane Eyre of Bel Air? Go ahead. Because like that's just I did like two seconds ago. Because it just it. So just a little background. Uh, This movie was directed by Robert Stevenson, who was a contemporary, not only contemporary, like a friend of Alfred Hitchcock's. Alfred Hitchcock. What what do we know that's going down with Alfred Hitchcock right now? There's a film festival coming up. At the Riverview. We're not going. No. Anyway, uh, Robert Stevenson, they were sort of contemporaries in England, and they were actually brought over to America as part of like the package deal. Like when they brought over Alfred Hitchcock, they also brought over Robert Stevenson. They're... Careers diverged in a funny way, though, uh, whereas Alfred Hitchcock went on to just keep on making like Alfred Hitchcock films. Uh, Robert Stevenson, he did Jane Eyre, and then he did, like, I mean, he had done quite a few movies before then. He did a few movies, like, in between then and the next decade, and then he made uh, nothing on screen for a while. He directed a bunch of television, including Alfred Hitchcock Presents. But then he came back... In 1957, Disney was like, we need a director for these live-action movies that are kind of picking up steam. So in one year, he directed the movie Johnny Tremaine, which was a big hit for Disney, and Old Yeller, which was another huge hit for Disney. And Disney was like, all right, how about this movie called Darby O'Gill and the Little People? What? He directs Darby O'Gill. It's sort of a cult hit Disney film. He directs Darby O'Gill and the Little People does great and they're like all right here's a movie called the absent-minded professor which introduced the concept of flubber like the big movie about the invention of flubber huge hit for disney and they're like all right here you can do the sequel son of flubber uh how about this movie we've been working on for a while called mary poppins so he goes and directs mary poppins and they're like all right here's one called that darn directs that darn cat directs the love bug bed knobs and broomsticks herbie rides again uh he keeps directing up through 1976 with the shaggy da and that's the last movie he ever did this guy directed like most of the famous Disney live action films between like the end of the fifties and like the end of the seventies. Like when you think of like Disney live actions, golden age, there it is. Like this, like just this guy, just Robert Stevenson sort of helming it. Uh, That's why his name's familiar. I just, this guy, he, he just, he did it. And his, but it's funny that he started as a contemporary with Hitchcock and then they kind of just like branched off. Um, I know this is probably boring you to all tears, but, uh, this movie Jane Eyre has a, has a wild pedigree. I thought, I thought we were going to save this for like the actual episode. Well, I'm just kind of trying to set up that this is. I'm very excited about this because the script. One of the people who worked on the script was John Hausman, who was one of Orson Welles' like like collaborators. John Hausman's. I think you mean Oscar Wilde. <laughs> was John Hausman was a was a famous playwright, actor, producer. He's an Academy Award-winning actor. He 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 wrote films. He wrote plays. He worked on Broadway. He's a he was a fantastic director, an experimental director. Uh, he was the grandpa on Silver Spoons. Like, just John Houseman was everywhere. He was a commercial voiceover artist who like. To be honest, I have no idea half of what you're talking about. He, he was just it was, but, uh, he he wrote one of the screen like worked on the screenplay to this. Aldous Huxley worked on the screenplay to this. The author of Brave New World, one of the great dystopian classics of modern literature. Uh, the score is by Bernard Herrmann, who worked on most of Alfred Hitchcock's films. One of the greatest film scores of all times. It just there I feel is, like you're gonna like um, like combine all these things and then say it's a pretty 
bad movie. And I've never seen the movie. <laughs> it better be good. I don't know if it's going to be good, but I'm excited about watching it. Um, I think it's actually considered a pretty good movie. Uh, it's one of its biggest fans, a man named Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but he liked The Raven. He did like The Raven. But as we can <laughs> say about Guillermo del Toro, even the movies that we don't like that he likes, they at least have some interesting <laughs> stuff going on in them. That's true. Also, this movie's short. Just a little over an hour and a half long. The Raven wasn't that long either. That's true. But we were <laughs> thoroughly entertained by That's the Raven. True. So I don't think this movie is at Raven caliber quality. Um, but this has been a lot of an introduction. Yes, it has. I'm excited about this movie. Just I'm okay. I'm excited about the people who worked on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so should we should we go watch? Yes. Of this movie. Yes. Let's we better go, do that. Let's go watch Jane Eyre. We're not going anywhere. Woo! I say I hate Valentine's Day, but next year me and Lil are planning on doing a singing telegram together. Oh, what's the song going to be? I don't know. It's next year. What is this like a thing that you do regularly at your school? Is that like a thing that they do? Oh, yeah. Every Valentine's Day, there's singing telegrams that go around. I am your singing telegram. <laughs> ah, clue. It's a fun movie. It is. If you can't tell we're recording this on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Also, Ash Wednesday, mm-hmm. which is... And Hump Day. Hump Day. Isn't it, is. it funny that Valentine's Day falls on Hump Day? Is it? Because of... <laughs> what? I don't get it. Is it funny? It's Valentine's Day and it falls on Hump Day. Hump Day. Also, Ash Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Absolved of your sins. All my tens of thousands of them. Mm-hmm. Is... Lil, like, what is Ash Wednesday exactly? Is that the day that, because like, Lil told me it was the day that Jesus was burned. No, no, he was not burned. <laughs> That's what I said. Jesus was, okay. <laughs> so there's, there's uh, Fat Tuesday, also known as Mardi Gras, which is yesterday. And there's Ash Wednesday, which is today. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm not Catholic. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to me. The day fat Jesus tu- was it's burned. Like it marks the beginning of Lent. I know that. Because like Fat Tuesday is the day you're supposed to like eat everything. Like eat fat, richy, rich, fatty foods so that you don't... Because so, you're not going to have them for a while. And uh, then you have Ash Wednesday where they put the ashes on your forehead in the shape of the cross uh, because of Jesus getting burned at the cross. <laughs> Did he get burned? No, he was not burned. He was crucified, and then he was buried in a tomb. But then, then he came, came out back. Of the tomb. Did he get burned because he came back to life? He did not get burned at all. Okay. Because that's what Lil tried to convince me what Jesus happened. Jesus never got burned. He never got set on fire. How do you know? He never even... Well, he did set a fire. He did set a fire in the in the book. He set fire to a fig tree. The book. He set fire to a fig tree. Don't we did, all? Because it did not give him enough juicy figs. That's not... A lie. That's an actual story about a fig Such tree. A dumb story. A fig tree did not give him any food, and so he's he made it, or maybe he just made it wither up and die. I don't know. I know only know is Ash Wednesday has nothing to do with, with Jesus getting with burned Jesus alive. Jesus getting burned to the cross. Hi everyone, welcome back. Hi. Um, we watched Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, uh, nineteen forty-three. Jane Eyre. Now, we it's been a while. So in the intro, we talked a little bit about the background of this movie. I remember, like, I went on. I went on at length about it. And you're like, Dad, can we just watch the movie? 
I'm not incorrect in that assumption, am I? No. Okay. <laughs> I just couldn't remember. I didn't know if I needed to like fill in, but we, we sort of got the little background on this yes, movie. Yes, we got all of the background on this movie. <laughs> all the background we need. So it's Jane Eyre, Charlotte Bronte. Have you ever, you've never read any Bronte, have you? Probably not. Charlotte Bronte, there were three Brontes. There was three the sisters. Three, the three sister Bronte. The Brontes we. Uh, the Brontes three. Uh, there was Charlotte Bronte, the oldest. There was... Emily Bronte, who's the m- middlest Bronte, and then there was the other one, the third one, <laughs> Bronte three, who it's I can like, never remember. It's like the third Sky Skyler Sky, uh, sister. Yes, it's like the third property brother, <laughs> who's who exists, but we don't ever see the him. Third man who walked on the moon. Because Charlotte Bronte wrote Jane Eyre. Emily Bronte did Wuthering Heights. That was her big one. Uh, I mean, they wrote other things. And then third Bronte wrote the other book, and it's not as famous. So I'm not committing it to memory, because why do I need to know it? Um, sorry, Brontes, you burnt. Um, at the at the stake like Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> he was burnt for being a witch. He came back from the dead. That is not true. I, just please, everyone, all my religious <laughs> listeners, all of our religious listeners, please forgive Ollie's mouth. Um <laughs> it seems like a legit thing that would happen, though. So this book was published in 1847. Like I mentioned before, there were already like nine silent films and like three major motion pictures before this one came out in 1943. Like, And since there have been like 20 more adaptations, there's like a new Jane Eyre movie every decade, at least every decade. There's been a couple like in the 2010s. Also, like, Indian films. There's, like, a Spanish-language version of it. There's been two major musicals based on it. Operas, ballets, uh, several play adaptations. Like, people love to adapt to the Jane Eyre. The Jane Eyre. Why do you think they like to adapt to the Jane I don't know. Like, well, uh, well, what do you think is attractive to, like, uh, storytellers about this story? Like, what is it? Started from nothing, now I'm here. Yeah, that's kind of <laughs> it. It's kind of like, it's a good character study. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned in the original that this that uh, in the in the intro that this is the uh, uh, like introduction of a new type of novel. That's why I kind of caught up people's attention. Like no one, this novels were still like kind of in an iffy place in popular culture. Like people were like novels. That's for uneducated women. Like novels. People were like what about Dickens? They're like Dickens. Pa. And I don't know. I'm getting. <laughs> I'm just making all this up. No, uh, Charlotte Bronte introduced this novel that sort of introduced the idea of a novel that focused on the inner life of a of a hero, and kind of just followed their inner life, like up from beginning to the the decided upon end. It was a kind of revolutionary time. It was very psychological. Um, and Jane Eyre was famous because she like stuck by her guns and she wouldn't give up her convictions and. She refused to accept things that didn't like conform to like what she thought the world should be like, and she ended up. Uh, she didn't accept staying with a man who keeps his wife locked in the attic. <laughs> right. She waited until that wife dead, and then she was fine with it on her own terms. Well, she waited until the house burned down. Yeah, <laughs> I will not be with you until this house is gone and that wife is dead, and, and you, you are blind. And you are blind, but only for a little bit. And sometimes your hand is missing. Sometimes you have a cane. So what is Jane Eyre? Like, what is this movie about? About a young woman who grows up in a Harry Potter situation mm-hmm. and then gets sent off to a magical school. Of which, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a magical. <laughs> a terrible school full of... Death eaters. <laughs> it really is like a school of Snapes. Like, mm-hmm. what if Snape ran the school? 
think it might go a little something. Well, Snape did run the school at one time. That's true. <laughs> uh, if he then had he his... died like he deserved. Just like? No one really died in this movie besides the wife. And the little girl. And yeah. And so she goes to this horrible school, and then what happens? It's time skip, and she's grown up to be this perfect young lady. It's <laughs> a little judgy. I said it like that because that was like what they think thought a perfect young lady was. Yeah. Like, and, but she wasn't really what they wanted her to be. So like they advertised her as something she wasn't. Who advertised her? The guy who was like, she should teach for us. Oh, 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 yeah. Um, And then she talk, gave him the talk back. Yeah. She sassed back at him and left. Mm-hmm. And got a job as a governess. Mm-hmm. And... Who did she govern for? Um, what was her name? The little girl? Um, Adele. Adele. Set fire <laughs> the rain. Watch it roll I don't know the words. <laughs> I don't know any Adele songs. What's the other one? What's another Adele? You want me to sing an Adele song? Go for it. No. Okay. What name one? I can't think of any There's- Adele. I don't know the names of them. There's Fire to the Rain. There's Rolling in the Deep. Rolling in the Deep. That's not how that song goes. goes. I don't know anything about anything. So in any case, um, she gets a job for this little girl named Adele, who's very cute Mm -hmm. and French. Wee wee. But then she meets Adele's guardian, who is... Mr. Man. Mr. Rochester. And he's a little intense. How do they meet, you might ask? Well, we'll get to that. Um, I'm just trying to get a little sketch here of the, yeah. the basic And then plot. basically, there's a lot of drama. They end up getting engaged. Mm-hmm. Something happens. She breaks off the engagement, leaves, and then she comes back and everything's dead. That's pretty much it. Like, that's how it happens. Uh, the lo- I mean, there's a lot of incident in mm-hmm. between. And the whole thing, she sticks by her guns. Um, so Jane Eyre. It's uh, Joan Fontaine, mm-hmm. again, as Jane mm-hmm. Eyre. And can I admit a little something? Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of... I love Joan Fontaine. I've enjoyed all these movies. I'm getting kind of tired of this story. Yeah, same. Seems like Joan Fontaine has done this before. Yeah. Seems like she did it in Rebecca. Seems kind of like she did it in Suspicion. They're all the same story. Well, I mean, it's telling that Daphne du Maurier kind of based Rebecca on Jane Eyre. They're all the same story still. I mean, I guess that's what was popular in that time period. But, you know, yeah, it's the idea of like the uh, like the inexperienced woman who meets sort of an intense man. An intense rich or fake rich man. Who has a secret. Yeah. And how she kind of just like sticks with him and then sticks by him. But instead of sticking by him in Jane Eyre, she's like, bye. Yeah, and Jane Eyre is probably the best example of it because, well, I was going to say, no, that's not true at all. So in Rebecca, the guy's big bad secret was that he murdered his wife. On accident. On accident. Uh, in the movie, at least, in uh, what was the one we just watched? Suspicion. His big bad secret is that he's not trying to kill her. He's trying to kill himself. But he's also a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And in this one, the big bad secret is... I keep my wife locked in my attic. Oh, boy. Wait. He has a wife? Yeah. Why does he keep her locked in an attic? Because she's dangerous to himself. Dangerous to himself and others. And others. <laughs> she just bite a man in the chest. Which is strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's kept his wife, who seems to have some kind of like psychological issue, like psychologically degenerative condition. It's kind of vague. Uh, locked, chained up in the in the attic, watched over by uh, what's her name, Mrs. Moody or something? No. No, is that her name, Mrs. Moody? No. 
Mrs. Moody, the the watcher woman, what's her name? Definitely not Mrs. Moody. I am desperately trying to find my notes on this while I'm like spinning my wheels here. My phone is acting up, so please <laughs> hold on one sec. While Mrs. I... Mrs. Moody, the wife of Mad Eye Moody. This <laughs> is Mad Eye Moody's wife. Here we go. <laughs> I'm like, come on, come on. <laughs> um. All right, well, let's go back to the beginning because we are we are skipping over a lot of stuff. First of all, we start off when Jane's a little girl, and you said Harry Potter, and is literally like she's kept in like a cupboard under the stairs. And there's a Dudley Dursley. Yeah, there's a literally a Dudley Dursley. Like there he is, like fat blonde haired boy being doted over by his like mother. Yep, and it's her aunt. So yeah, like wow, it's just Harry Potter. Now in the novel, of course, there's more siblings, and it's more of a Cinderella situation because it's like two. There's two sisters also who are just wicked to Jane Eyre. Um, so like, what if Harry Potter and Cinderella, but there was no magic involved, and it was just horror. Yeah, it's terrible, and. Jane gets in a fight with the brother and, well, the son, and he's like... The cousin. Yeah, her cousin. And he's like, she's terrible. And Jane's like, he hit me first. And the mother's like, I'm sending you away to school. Jane's like, great. And we meet the headmaster. We meet the headmaster who's awful. She, I think my favorite line is in this part, though. What? When, I can't remember exactly what it is, but he's like, how will you avoid going to hell then? I won't die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then I guess I just don't have it because can never die. <laughs> like, oh, oh, well, she got me there. Uh, and when she's, she sent away, she has like these ideas in her head that she's finally going to get away from this horribly abusive family and go to this wonderful school. And on her way out the door, she's like, basically like holds up two middle fingers and is like, I'm never going to see you again. And then she ends up at hell. What is it called? Low, low town you have all the notes the low town school the low down school lowville like horror town horror city uh it's it's got a it's got a, a terrible name the lowwood institution lowwood institution a charity boarding school uh run by reverend brocklehurst <laughs> <laughs> which is as much of a nightmare as it sounds like and she is immediately punished just for being jane uh she's made to stand on a stool for ever yeah for like forever like all day just like stand on the stool you can't move if you fall off like you're double punished but she meets a friend mm-hmm. do you remember the girl's name no it's helen burns and who is she played by i don't know well let's rewind a little bit zoop 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 the little girl who plays young jane Eyre is great mm-hmm. like she is a phenomenal child actress uh her name is peggy peggy ann garner she did this she did A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. She won a special Academy Award for her performances. And then she didn't ever really do anything else. Uh, she had a hard time transitioning from being a child actor. And that was it. Like, she, I think she did like one or two things as an adult. And then that was it. Even though she was phenomenal in this movie. And Tree Grows in Brooklyn. So, poor her. However, her best friend, Helen, is played by an uncredited Elizabeth Taylor. And I don't know why she's uncredited. Like, I think it's weird. Like, she wasn't quite famous at this point. She was about to become, like, one of the most famous child actors of all time and still, like, one I bet of the... they regret not crediting her. Why? Because she, like, became one of the most famous child actors of all time. The movie did okay. Well, yeah, but I bet they, like, were like, oh. Ah. Now we, now we can't take like, credit for, like, helping her become who she is. <laughs> they didn't help her, though, because they didn't credit her. Exactly. If they had credited her, what if her whole career had taken a different turn? What if she had become Lady Gaga? 
<laughs> she starts dressing and Meat singing and she starts dressing and singing. That's not Lady Gaga. So Elizabeth Taylor's her good friend Helen Burns, who's super sweet. And unfortunately, Helen Burns does something and gets her hair cut off. And Jane's like, you can't do that to her. And Brocklehurst is like, you get to walk we around. We have to talk about the doctor first. Oh, is there a doctor? What does he do? He he He's nice. And he must help everyone escape this horrible no. institution. Oh, no, he doesn't. He's kind of useless. Yeah, but at least he's like nice and trying to keep people alive. Right. So she and Helen are forced to carry like weights or something. They have to stand out in the rain. No, that's that's first he goes to the school and he's like, oh, this girl needs to stay inside because she has a little bit of a cough and yeah. I think she needs help. And then after that, he makes them all stand up and then he goes to cut her hair off because it's curly. And oh, the nun right. who was there is like, her hair is naturally curly. We can't do anything about it. But. Jane is like, don't cut her hair. Cut my hair. Yeah. And does he? No. What did he do? He makes him stand outside in the pouring rain and the freezing cold. And what happens to poor Helen? Well, first, the you're missing so much stuff. <laughs> first, the doctor comes by to bring Helen her medication. And he sees them outside. And he's like, what are you doing? And so he brings him back inside. And he sets Helen up in like a separate room. With, like, medicine and stuff. And then the, like, reverend dude is like, we just need to pray for her. And the doctor's like, no, we need to give her help. And they leave. And then Jane comes in and, like, stays with her. Yep. And then she gets all better. And it's a happy ending. And that's the end of the movie. No. And they become a couple. And they raise Fifteen children. On a farm. No, unfortunately, Helen dies that night. And it's the saddest thing in the world, and we are all sad. And, oh, and and not only does she die, Jane wakes up holding her dead hand. Yeah, and it's based on a true story, because that's what happened to Charlotte Bronte's older sister when she had to stay in a horrible boarding school, and there was an outbreak of typhus. And all the girls were abused, and then they died from illness because no one took care of them. So Charlotte Bronte was like, that sounds like a good idea for a book. And she wrote it down. Why is that the voice you use for every single person in this time period? Mid-Atlantic accent. <laughs> Paying tribute to all the wonderful actors of the 1930s and 40s. Um, so, okay, so that happens. And we then we jump ahead. Like you said, there's a time jump 10 years later. Jane's offered a job at the school. She's and, like, hot, no, and she's see all you later. Late. That's exactly what happens. Now, in the book, it's different. In the book, the death of Helen causes, like, a scandal. And there's reform. And, like, people come in and, like, kick Brocklehurst out. And they, like reform the school and it's all thanks to jane like reporting on what happened and she grows up and she becomes a teacher at the school for a few years and she's like this is great i'm doing really well and then she's like but it's time for me to move along because she sees people getting married and moving on so she's like it's time for me to do in the movie they're like in the movie less nice stuff happens to her along the way it's mm -hmm. more just focused on the misery which i guess makes sense for the movie because you're trying to keep things like kind of like streamlined like you want to watch this girl like persevere through all the horrors and like give the middle finger to like Brocklehurst like as she leaves because she gave the middle finger to her aunt and now she's giving middle, like she puts an ad in the paper like I want to teach I want to be a governess and he's like no one will ever hire you and then he like like is like flip there's a scene where he's like flipping through mail and it has her name on it and he's like <laughs> and then he leaves she walks over and is just like yoink what i love is that she doesn't see the letter she sees the look on his face when he's flipping through the mail and she's like that's a letter for me mm -hmm. <laughs> she just goes over and takes it i was like man she's been there long enough that she knows his looks she gets hired on by uh 
to work at this uh, to work at this mansion where she's taking care of this French girl. And there's a mysterious uh, the mysterious man who runs the place is named Rochester, and she doesn't see him. He's always away. What is the other woman's name? Which woman? The woman who hired her. Oh yeah, there's that whole scene with Mrs. Fairfax where she's like, not Miss Moody. No, well, Mrs. Fairfax is like. He's showing her around, and Jane's like, wait, aren't you the person who hired me? She's like, no, I'm the housekeeper. No, she's the one who hired her. Oh, right, 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 She right, doesn't right. own the house, though. Right, right. She takes care of the house. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she sort of takes care of all the business around the house, because yeah. Mr. Rochester, he ain't there. So, basically, she's going for a misty walk. <laughs> a walk out in the, in the mud. And there's a man with a horse mm-hmm. who nearly kills her, who then falls off the horse, and is like, how dare you? Okay, so this is Rochester. Played by the great Orson Welles. There's something to me fascinating about Orson Welles' performance in this. Because he's not just the jerk like we've seen in a couple other of these movies. He's intense and kind of scary. And he's big. Like Orson Welles is a huge man. He's like seven feet tall. And Joan Fontaine is very small (laughs) and very petite. And she holds her own in every scene with him. Even though he does go on. He monologues a lot. He does. About how hard his life was yeah how hard his rich upbringing was he seems amused by her and also like intrigued by her and maybe attracted to her in these and early also he, he's like because it's like everyone else just is like yes mr Hatches. but she's like no yeah get out <laughs> orson wells is a very intense presence on screen he mumbles a lot i remember even you remember you were like what is he saying <laughs> because i don't know what i mean because he tends to talk like this. And you're like, what? <laughs> He's so naturalistic. Like it's it's and his lines are 80 yard in through most of the film. Like you can tell, like he's been redubbed. Cause probably because he was on set and they were like, We can't understand what we're just saying, dude. This isn't your little theater company. You have to enunciate. He's like, all right, I'll do it. Orson Wells. I'm not gonna do my real Orson Wells impression. If you want to hear a good Orson Wells impression, watch animaniacs because the you know brain... what you can hear good orson welles impression on any movie he's in <laughs> uh there's a voiceover actor named maurice lamarche he did the voice of the brain from pinky and the brain and he is famous for many things but also for playing orson welles if you if you hear a fake orson welles like if someone's dubbed in like it was a cartoon or a or a modern orson welles voiceover it's maurice lamarche and uh and he, because he just has a spot on Orson Welles. He plays the voice of Orson Welles in the movie Ed Wood. Vincent D'Onofrio plays the body. It's a, <laughs> it's a dual performance. And it's, it's like very a, well done. It's like an Abe Sapien. Yes, except that it needed because I don't know if Vincent D'Onofrio can do as good an Orson Welles impression. Orson Welles is intense and he's a very good Rochester. There's something that is very attractive about him. He's dark and mysterious. I didn't like him. Well, no, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to date him, but. He's a very, like, intriguing man. If I saw him, I would be scared. Yeah, he's scary. But she's not scared. And I think that's one thing that impresses him, is that she's, like... Like, she sasses him. Mm-hmm. Like, when Adele is like, Papa, I want to dance for you. And he's like, no. And then Adele, like, kind of, like, sadly walks out. She's like, excuse me. Yeah. Don't be a prat to your child. <laughs> right. So is Adele his child? How we does... don't really know. Yeah. It, there's... He talks around the subject quite a bit. Like she's his ward, and the new the story is that her parents died and she's living with him. But well, then, I thought the story this this that's the story she knows. Yeah. But the story the real story is that he had s- s- relations with a dancer, 
who was like, help, pay for this child that is definitely 100% yours. Yeah. And then she left. Right. And you get the feeling that he just doesn't like to get close to anyone. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that he doesn't, it's not that he's embarrassed that he would have an illegitimate child. It's more like he doesn't want this kid to know that he's her father because that would be like a personal tie that he's just not interested in in having. I wonder if there's anything going on that's a reason why he wouldn't want to have personal ties. You've already given it away. I can cut that part. So, <laughs> weird stuff starts happening around the house. Mm-hmm. Like, this fire. Fire. <laughs> Where's this fire? What? <laughs> So, does she get set on fire first? No, she hears like a yeah in the house, and then she like opens the door, and there's a candle outside her door, and she's like, "What is happening?" Yeah. So she like goes over to wake him up to be like, "Something's going on," and she walks into his room, and just everything's on fire. Yep, his whole his bed's been on fire, but he's still sleeping. Mm-hmm. How can he sleep when his beds are burning? He wakes up, they put out the fire, and he's like, "What does he say?" Don't mention this to anybody. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I fell asleep smoking. And she's like, no. Yeah. No. <laughs> and uh, and so she yeah, she hears this giggling in the in the house. She sees him like wandering around the mansion, like in this tower area. There she's like, huh, what's going on there? At one point she like sneaks in and. This random woman. Mm-hmm, that's the woman I was talking about. The Mrs. Poole, Mrs. Mrs. Doom, Mrs. What is her name? Mrs uh gloom and doom i can't think i I can't find her name she has like a mrs pool mrs yes grace pool whoo found it uh she doesn't you don't see her much they make kind of a big deal out of her but like she gets blamed for some of the stuff that happens in the house like uh rochester's like that's just mrs pool she just got a little she gets a little drunk crazy like okay like what who's this person like uh, but she's there, and she chases. Uh, she chases her out of the out of the like. What is it like? It's like the West Wing or something. Uh, so it's the it's the Tower from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> and so there's uh there's like a party. Mm-hmm. Like eventually, Rochester's like, I'm gonna have everyone in the world over my house, and he mm-hmm. does, including that one lady. That one lady named Jerkface. Who's the Jerkface? It is that one lady, Blanche. Blanche comes over. She looks like a ballet dancer, who, but like not a ballet dancer, like a person who was cast to play the swan princess in that one fairy tale. Swan Lake? I don't, I don't think so. That one like where the woman like every morning turns into a swan. Swan Lake? Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, she's pretty. She's like pretty. She's statuesque and she's no good i mean she's just like a socialite she's she's like not a bad person she just likes this guy she doesn't like this guy oh she doesn't like rochester she wants his money which i thought was kind of the point like isn't that why like people get together back then Mm -hmm. or then why would i know i don't know why people get together now isn't that like but isn't that the whole thing like oh you're only marrying for it's like the 18 mid 1800s it's Like, like um that one guy from it's like um sullivan's travels yeah yeah what about Sullivan's travels? Remember his wife married him? Not oh, right. It's a him. marriage of convenience. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what it is. And you can tell that Rochester's not that into her. You can tell she's not that into him. But you can really tell that Jane Eyre ain't into the Blanche. She's not really into anyone at that party. <laughs> no, but she is not happy that this dude is, like, going to get married to this woman. Oh, because they, they announced they're going to get married. Um, 
And everyone else is like, oh, I'm so excited. They're so good together. Yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, a guy gets bit by someone in the attic. Well, first there's the whole like governess thing. What governess thing? Governesses. Oh, right. Blanche don't like no governesses. And Jane Eyre is ashamed about that. Yeah, for some reasons. In the meantime, she and Rochester have been having like talks on and off like about just like life. Um, and he's like, I know you don't like Blanche. And she's like, no. He's like, do you like me? And she's like, ooh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rochester's like, everyone would leave if they knew my horrendous secret. Right. And she's like, okay, would you stay with me? I guess. <laughs> would you stay with me if you knew my terrible secret? Um, yes. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Gotta go. And then Richard Mason shows up. He's from Jamaica. What? And then in the middle of the night, there's like commotion. And Jane Eyre is like, what's up? And Rochester's like, he's been bitten in the chest. You stay with him and clean his wounds. Oh, and all of the socialites are still at his house. Yes, everyone's there. And uh, Grace Poole, the, 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 the woman who takes the blame for everything, takes the blame for this too. Like, she's like, oh, I think Jane, Grace Poole did this. Like, bit this poor man on the chest or something. Like, it's very vague, like, what exactly happened at this point. But uh, Rochester and Blanche get into a fight and Blanche leaves. Well, they don't really get into a fight. He just insults her a lot. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> get into a fight Rochester style. He's like... And so... But Jane Eyre doesn't know this. Right, so right, So she's right. like playing on like, oh, he's getting married. Yeah, they don't need me anymore. So I'm going to go find another job. Yeah. And he's like, but I'm not getting married. And she's like, yes, you are. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, not anymore. And then he, he goes, "Would you, you need to answer this question quickly. Would you like to marry me? <laughs> she's like, are people going to keep getting bit by something in your <laughs> attic at the house? <laughs> um, so they start getting married and they're interrupted. By a lawyer. And Mason. Who says... He's already married. Dum, dum, dum. Which was... It would have been like a plot twist if it had been earlier on in the movie. But like slowly piecing together like all of the like engagements and unengagements and like the weird like... I thought it was a disappointments room. Which is a room that people used to have where they would keep their children who were not up to standards. So you thought it was going to be Adele's like twisted twin yeah something like that yeah not Which a would good have been answer more interesting in my but, <laughs> but you find out that it's uh, his wife who so what's the story with him and this woman um he was 19 years old mm-hmm. he got married to her yep because his father pressured him into it she started declining mentally and then she tried to kill him uh-huh. and he was like nope <laughs> and he didn't really know what to do because he couldn't get a divorce and he didn't want people to know what was happening so he locks her in this attic <laughs> and she's watched over by grace Poole. Mm-hmm. and i guess in the novel it mentions that uh when grace Poole gets drunk which she does quite often that's when the wife escapes and runs rampant through the house and sets people on fire <laughs> it seems i feel like you should just fire her like pool and then well like- i think he can only I think he only wants certain people to know this woman exists. Like, you start hiring new people. It's like, I'm interviewing you for a job. I can't quite tell you what it's about, but how do you feel about women locked in attics? <laughs> just just, you know, just uh, blue sky in it here. Suppose you had to take care of my wife while I was keeping locked in an attic room. Um, oh, and the, the guy, Mason, who came and got bit was her brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
which is why he knows about it. So Rochester like admits all this, and he's like, "So Jane, I know we can't get married, but you still up for it?" No, see you later. <laughs> She's all goodbye. <laughs> Sticks to her guns. Sticks to her guns. Unlike all of her other characters, she loves Rochester, but she can't marry him because he's already married. Oh, and also he kept his wife locked in an attic <laughs> for several decades. That's also a thing, Jane. Probably another reason you probably should be wary of this guy. <laughs> Even though he seemed to feel bad about it. I mean, like my my thing is, what else was he supposed to do in that time period? I would th- okay. Here's the thing about now. Again, I'm not. I this there may be more of an explanation in the novel. I don't know, but yeah, his hands are kind of tied as far as like getting a divorce, but tough like you 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 don't lock a human being in a dark room for the rest of their life because but like if he like sent her off to an institution that's what would happen to her anyways true and she was obviously but he has the money to care for her properly like Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to lock her away he could hire the best like caregivers but also she might kill them she might (laughs) but there's ways i mean i guess she's not being treated well no and the only reason she's not being treated well is because he doesn't want anyone to know about her. And there, I'm not saying that what he did was a good thing because it was a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do. But a lot of people did that. Yes, a lot of people Hence, did do that. Disappointments room. Yes, it does mean though that he's probably not great husband material. Mm-hmm. Um, Unless you're like perfect, then like maybe. <laughs> what do you think? What do you want me to be perfect? <laughs> you think other guys don't like their wives in the room? Uh, if you want a better, uh, not a better, if you want a different story about a wife locked in a room, read The Yellow Wallpaper. I started did that. It's a good book. I never if you want it. to know more about the history of Bertha, the wife locked in the room by uh, Rochester, read The Wide Sargasso Sea, which is which is made in along with Jane Eyre, top 100 English language books of all time, uh, even though it is a, an, un, an, an unlicensed spinoff of Jane Eyre. Uh, that tells the is a prequel story. Seems like it shouldn't work. Why Sargasso Sea considered a modern classic of literature, uh, which sort of like tells her story and like what really happened. Um, so Jane splits. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't work for you anymore. Bye. And she doesn't have any references, so she's kind of broke. Yeah, she's kind of like living alone. She like starts writing a letter to the school guy. Right. Like, can you please take me back? She doesn't say that, but you sort of get the feeling that she's like getting ready to beg for her job and then where did she turn up to where did she end up her home house not yes. home but house uh gateshead is what it was called mm-hmm. the old house mrs reed was her aunt and because what's happened there well she doesn't know anything that's happened oh, right, right right she just shows up trying to get something like a roof over her head so she goes in and no one recognizes her. We forgot to mention the pin. Yes. So in the beginning, there's Bessie, who's mm-hmm. the housekeeper, who's mean to Jane, but not as mean as everyone else. She's not mean to Jane. Uh, she says a few harsh things in the beginning that I was like, that ain't necessary, Bessie. Well, um, like, I think that's because she's trying to keep the act up so that she doesn't get true. fired. That's true. Um, but when Jane leaves, Bessie gives her... A little, like, bow pin. Yeah. A brooch shaped like a bow. Mm-hmm. A, you see Jane wearing throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, and Bessie's still there, and that's when she re- she recognizes the pin. Yeah. She's like, where did you get that? You gave it to me. <laughs> She's like, Jane! Jane. Um, it's very sweet. And so Jane's aunt is there, but she's had a stroke. Mm-hmm. Because? Her son killed himself. Yeah. 
not because he was like emotionally like unbalanced, but because he was like in a bunch of debt. Yeah, because he was a gambler and a horrible person. Yeah, um, he killed himself. Uh, not to make light of suicide, but you don't feel too bad for this guy. No. And they drove. They drove the aunt to have a stroke. Now she's confined to a bed, and she's a little contrite, like the way mm-hmm. she treats Jane. Isn't she? I don't know what that means. Oh, she's like a little sorry about being like. I don't think she's sorry. <laughs> I think she's like, oh, you're the only person who can really like care for me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, and then she's like, oh, by the way, I was lying to you this entire time. What did she say? Your uncle, other uncle. Is that in the movie or in the novel? I don't know. I just remember you. I... No, no, no. That's in the novel. So okay. okay. So this is a weird scene. So in the book. The aunt, Jane does go back to her old place, but she goes back to her old place like while she's still living with Rochester. Uh, she gets actually called away and it's like, hey, your aunt had a stroke. Can you please come and take care of her? And she's like, fine. She goes and her aunt is like, I'm so sorry about the way I treated you. I understand that I was a terrible person. Um, oh, by the way, I've been lying to you your whole life. Your father's, or your uncle on your father's side is actually still alive. And I told him you were dead. I told him you died at uh, the school, along with all the other kids who died of typhus. But the good news is, he, you are in his will. And you are being left the modern equivalent of one and a half million dollars. <laughs> like, literally, like, she's, I can't remember, it's like 20,000 pounds or something. But it's like, I wish I had 1.5 million dollars. She's like, so when he dies, you rich. But also, I think the connection is that her uncle knows Mason. And I think that's how, like, this whole, like, when the wedding gets called off, I think there's, like, these connections getting made of, like, oh, no, I found out through him, and then that's how we found out this is all happening. Uh, So they save this for the end of the movie just to sort of, like, give her a little drama and a little more action before she will... A little, a little tight, like closed ends. Right. It closes those ends off. And then what happens to her in the movie? Her aunt dies and someone comes to the house. Uh-huh. Who is it? Someone mysterious. Is it the doctor? Yeah. Yay. The kindly doctor is there. And they actually kind of make him look a little older. She doesn't know what to do. She hears a voice call her name. It's God. Ro- it's Rochester's voice mysteriously in the night. Because he's God. She returns to Thornfield. And what does she find there? Ashes. Because <laughs> what happened to the building? It was burnt to the ground. By? The wife. Oh. How'd she burn it to the ground? I don't know. Yeah, she burned it to the ground. With a candle, I assume. And she thinks that... Wait, are we led to believe that Rochester's dead yes. for a while? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he ain't. Mm-mm. He's okay. Kind of. <laughs> he comes hobbling out of the ashes. Uh, he's blind. And he's been severely injured because he tried to save. He went back into the the castle to save his wife. Yeah, uh, who was standing burning to death, and then she jumped off the like building, and then yeah. the stairs crumbled and crushed him. Right, he was crushed under the staircase, and then he's like, "I'm." He's like, "Look, you can't. Don't look at me. Like I'm horrible. I'm broken. I'm a broken man. I have nothing now." And Jane's like still love you yeah i came back to see you yeah and he's like what (laughs) he's like yeah who cares like come on man and they go off and they have a baby and 
he his eyes recover enough to see the baby. The baby. The baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can't speak. I've been having trouble speaking all week. And Jane says, "You see the baby." <laughs> he says, "We." And then the, the end comes up. No, she, it's just narration. But she says uh, he gets enough of his eyesight to see his son. And then you're like, "All right, that's the end." The book is different a little bit. There's this whole other plot in the book. She gets a job working for these two women who take her in and they have a brother who's a clergyman and she and her her uncle ends up dying she gets left all this money she finds out that the two women who she she literally collapses on their doorstep which is how she gets the job like she's dying of hunger and they give her a job there and she finds out the two women are related to her and they're like that guy's your uncle oh man we're broke and we were always hoping he'd leave us some money and jane's like i'll give you some money and they're like, thank you so much. And then her, their brother is like, you're a good woman, Jane. You should marry me and join me on my missionary expedition uh, over over the seas in India or wherever. She's, and she's like, Goodbye. Well, she's like, all right, like maybe I'll do that. He's like, I don't love you, but th- we should be partners because you're a strong Christian woman with convictions. And at first she's like, all right. But then she's like, mm, uh, uh. and that's when she hears Rochester calling her. And she's all, goodbye. Goodbye. And she leaves. And that's that's what happens. So there's this whole subplot with like her almost getting married and uh, that that not happening. And then she goes and basically the same thing happens. Rochester loses his hand uh, in the in the collapse in the book. That's but, uh, more permanent. Y- yep. <laughs> <laughs> he also goes blind in the book. Oh, like the same okay. thing happens. He gains his eyesight lo- well enough to see his son. He just <laughs> he's like, I can see you, Jane. Unfortunately, holds of a claw, <laughs> not a hook claw. Sorry if you've lost your hand. Right. She's like, I love you, but I was kind of banking on that one hand. <laughs> and that's it. And uh, and that's and that's Jane Eyre, a uh, timeless tale, I guess. I like it. What did you think of the movie of it? I liked it. I liked the music. I liked the... I liked it. <laughs> the music is super good. It's by Bernard Herrmann. We know. We talked about this in the intro. Did I? Oh, yes. it's really good. <laughs> I was actually listening to it at work on Spotify um just because it's very moody music and uh, i was writing and listening to some gothicy, spooky tunes so you're basically you were basically being emo i was being emo i was listening to bernard her yeah <laughs> uh it's beautifully shot uh strangely performed like orson welles is such an intriguing character actor but good yeah um how do you think okay so let's look at our our do you remember when we did uh the orphanage and Don't Be Afraid of the Dark mm-hmm. and Mama. Yes, and I we do. we were like, hey, these are a weird little trilogy that we weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this little weird <laughs> trilogy of Rebecca, uh, Suspicion, and Jane Eyre. Like, the, the Fawn... Same, same. The Fawn trilogy, as I'm calling it now. Uh, <laughs> Joan alone, here she mm-hmm. is, uh, basically telling similar stories each time. Uh of the three, which one do you think she comes off the best in? Jane. You think so? Yeah. How come? She's definitely more strong. Um, her voice is heard more. I don't know. I think she was just like both a stronger character and a stronger actor in those. Yeah. Like in Rebecca, she was kind of like awkward. I didn't feel like she had a very strong voice. She was kind of like, oh, I'm just a dainty little girl. Don't mind me. In Suspicion... There was too much going on to really pay attention to what she was doing. <laughs> but I think that like her best performance was definitely in this movie of the three. Yeah, for me, of the three movies about Joan Fontaine falling in with kind of bad dudes, 
Um, I believe this relationship the most. I think yeah. she has the most equal power in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though he's obviously like in a more dominant position than she is, she asserts herself a lot more. Mm-hmm. I think she's most adorable in Rebecca because the the whole like funny beginning. But again, like the first the first two movies, she kind of gets taken in a lot, like mm-hmm. kind of taken in for a ride by these two guys. Whereas in Jane Eyre. She doesn't know what's exactly is going on with Rochester the whole time, but she only goes so far with it until she knows what's going on with Rochester. Yeah. Yeah. And then she's like, no. Yeah. That's Plus, not okay. It's like a fast 90 minutes or like a little over 90 minutes. It's a short movie. Like they don't waste a, like a second. You, They could have added in like some of these subplots tacked on another 15 minutes. I'd have been fine. This movie looks like, clicks right along and it's at least interesting in every single part of it it really is um they hit all the high points the 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 dialogue is poppy the the cinematography is beautiful so why do you think (laughs) our man likes this movie why do you think Guillermo del Toro ecstasy of influence we does he just like this one story (laughs) (laughs) I guess I think I think Guillermo del Toro has a crush on Joan Fontaine mood uh I think he likes, obviously, gothic romances. The creepy men. He likes the creepy men. Um, the mystery. Mm-hmm. The um, weird conflicts. Yep. The terrible life and just the weirdness of it all. Plus, like the 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 drama, like the, the the drama of a movie made by like super headstrong artists who all have to have their own way. When you have like Alfred Hitchcock, Orson Welles, John Houseman, like all these people who are just creators like building these stories and creating these well i mean it's a great looking movie and you if I, I i look at other jane airs i started watching the one from the 1930s which is like watching like at times like a terrible stage play uh like the worst stage play with the worst child actors in the world or looking at some of the later like really celebrated ones that came out like in the 2000s um like they just they keep making them with good actors and very well received productions but there's just something about the, the the black and white and the Joan Fontaine. Joan Fontaine and the stylized and Wells. aspect of it. Yeah, it's just it's a gorgeous film. It's good. It's good. And you can easily buy a copy of it on DVD or Blu-ray. And it's very it's, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. I do too. I think it's also streaming on Amazon for like you you can pay to stream it. It's not for it's not part of Amazon Prime, but if you have if you go on Amazon, you can you can rent it there. I think it's available for streaming in a lot of places. It's uh this is classic Hollywood. This is classic, classic Hollywood. Um, Which is not always a good thing. Not always a good thing. The Raven. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but in this case, it, it it was very good. I mean, I just. I don't know, Ollie. We have seen some good movies. In that this, is true. In this run, like The Raven, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we were talking beforehand. I was like, we're 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 scooting up. We're getting close to some spooky movies, some horror films. Finally, finally. Unfortunately, not our next one. Uh, what is our next movie? So, ladies and gentlemen, our next movie. Are you ready for this? Yes. Uh, I will give you a hint. As to an aspect of the upcoming movie. Are you stalling because you can't find the movie? No, I got it right here. But uh, I'm going to give you a hint. Hello. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoy my movies. <laughs> I hope you enjoy my movies. Which one is it? 
we are going to be watching Alfred Hitchcock's 1943 film, Shadow of a Doubt, starring Teresa Wright and Joseph Cotton. I thought you were going to say Joan Fontaine again. No Joan Fontaine. It's a non-Fontaine as we, uh, as, as we're going to finally get to see like a non-Fontaine Alfred Hitchcock movie. There might be some mystery in this one. Wow, really? There might be some doubt. Wow, there really? might be some shadows. <laughs> I've, this is another Hitchcock I've not seen. Um, well, I guess we'll see it next week. It's a suspense thriller. Uh, but just to give people a little hint of movies to come, just so you're not just like sitting on your ass. Hands. But but, but. but can I say ass on this or uh well you just did so we'll see <laughs> you what did happens too. in the editing room um, uh we have that coming up but looking let's look forward a little bit to I walked with a zombie we have that coming up uh the uninvited Ooh. beauty and the beast oh it's a good one okay. trust me it's a, you're gonna be like what am I watching <laughs> when you watch this Beauty and the Beast this is, is it like a good one like the Hunchback of Notre Dame or like it's a good one like Vampire like whoa at times you're gonna be like am I asleep am I sleeping is this a dream what's happening uh, but also it's a beautiful and very well done movie it's okay. it's it's not just weird it's also extremely charming and many people consider it the best Beauty and the Beast ever committed to film uh, and then Dragon Wick and then we've got some Dickens coming up we are all over the place in the next few months so join us won't you for the next time we get together for movie fun that's the name of this movie show (laughs) yeah we definitely only do movies on here we definitely only do movies we definitely only have fun i got a request uh from a listener for us to do a book again so maybe in the future we can do another fun month of uh literature uh i'd be down for it if any listeners out there want us to take a look at any of the novels we've like not covered or any of the books that maybe these movies are based on. I'd be down or, for doing um, or uh, Blackwood's Guide to Fairies, man. <laughs> we could talk about Blackwood's Guide. We could do a month of like movie tie-in books. Uh, the Shape of Water novelization is coming out soon. I understand it is bizarre and goes off in different directions from the movie. So Maybe once we get to those alien movies, we can do some of those books. What alien movies? Oh, Alien? <laughs> is that on our list? You said it was much later, but not not for a while. Oh, we've got the thing from another planet coming up at some point. Um, there's some like, real real spookum ups coming up at, at times. We've got we got a lot of movies. There's a lot of movies on this list. I'm just looking at. Oh yeah, Alien is on this list. Yes, it comes be- in between Zombie and The Changeling. So, uh, but that's the that's the 70s. We won't be getting there for a few more decades. Uh, wow, we've sure have rambled on about movies for a while. <laughs> Well, that's what this podcast is. Jane Eyre, people. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's very good. It's very good. And just, it's a quick evening's watch. Mm-hmm. All right. Wow, well, we've actually managed to not get interrupted this We session. were not interrupted this whole run. So everybody, before we get a ding-dong on the doorbell, I'm Phil. And I'm Molly. And we'll see you next time when... It's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. I said that wrong. Yes, you did. I'm Phil. And I'm Molly. And we'll see you when... It's Del, Del Toro, Toro time. time. Ding-dong.